Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, and Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. Wow, guys. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. The one time. The one time we need that 42 jersey in Bobby's backdrop is the one time we don't have it. Damn Bobby, it, Bobby. what's going on, man? <laughs> Who was prepared for this? No one was prepared for this in June 18th. I feel like this always happens. This is like I, I can go back in history, in, in my sports coverage history, and point to massive events on days where you're like, I think I'm going to head to the Cape now, or I'm, maybe I'll start day drinking, or you're about to hit the links, or you're <laughs> on July the July 4th, Tyler Sagan? Sagan, Stevens, the uh, the summit nope. for for KD. Don't um, forget about uh, our good friend Gordon Hayward. That was right over the 4th Hayward. of July holiday. My biggest one ever was uh, the, uh, Ted Williams passing away uh, way back when mm. happened on like a Friday heading into July 4th weekend. I had Sox tickets that night. I was like, I can't wait to get out. And then, boom, that happened. And that was an all-day affair. So this is a monster trade on Friday. And I, there's a ton to unpack. So, I mean, let's start with initial, just for everybody home. I assume you've tuned in. You have the news by now. Uh, Brad Stevens, we assume it was Brad Stevens. I don't know how much Danny has any fingerprints on this or who, but massive major deal early, early, early in free agency. Kemba Walker goes uh, to OKC for Al Horford. This is one of the ones we talked about in our special a week ago. Um, And the overall compensation is this. First round pick goes uh, this year's. That's number 16. Then uh, also a a second rounder. In addition, you're getting Mo Brown and you're getting getting a, a they're getting a second rounder, right? Yeah, and they're getting they're getting, get, they're getting they're, a 2023 second rounder, and they're sending out a 2025 oh, okay. one. They're they're sending one out and they're getting one back. So right. it's a swap of future seconds. Basically, the deal comes down to the meat, the 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 meat and potatoes here. It's Kemba and your and your first round pick this year for Horford and Mo Brown, and then a swap of second rounders. So first thoughts, Bobby. I know yours, so there's no surprise <laughs> here. Um, let's start with. Uh, well, let's let's start with Sher- let Bobby. You're happy to have Horford. I want to get to that in a minute. Let's start with Sherrod. The compensation is what people are going to be uh, right. uh, worried about here. Did you give up too much? Is the first rounder too much? Mo Brown's nice. Mo Brown was a two way contract beginning of the year. He lit up the Celtics earlier in this season. So anyone who remembers that game was like, "Wow, that guy's pretty good." He finished with pretty solid stats for the year. He's a nice little cheap addition signed through 2024, I think. Um, to very short money. Nice guy to have on your team. That's a terrific bench. That's a terrific depth addition. But that first round pick hurts a little bit, obviously. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and that's why well, cost I, I doing say, business, right? Yeah, it's the cost of doing business. And, and to be frank with you, this feels very much like a Brad Stevens type of deal as opposed to a Danny Angel, where I don't think that first round pick would have necessarily been included. Frankly, I don't think the deal would have got done. Uh, if Danny uh, held his guns on, on that first round pick, it's no secret that if you're dealing with OKC at this point in their growth and development, you got to throw in a first round pick. They're not doing any deals unless they're getting one of those in return. And frankly, for the Celtics, 
let's be honest and real. When they're picking outside of the top five, it's a crapshoot on what they're going to get. At least when you're giving up that second round, that, that first round pick and you're swapping essentially second round picks, you're basically saying we're giving you this, this middle of the first round pick for Moses Brown. Because to me, Kemba and Al, that's a pretty comparable swap. I would give the talent edge slightly to, to Kemba. Uh, but when you're getting a Moses Mo Brown in return in addition to Al Horford, uh, I, th- I think this was a it's a pretty fair deal. I don't feel either t- either side got totally taken to the cleaners uh, in this deal. I think both gave up a little bit more than they probably wanted to to get the deal done. Yeah. Yeah, and that's obviously have the leverage with 35 picks now to move Kemba elsewhere. I'm not necessarily sure he'll be playing for Oklahoma City next year. You no. could still see him end up with the Knicks or whoever. Uh, so it works for them. They get to pick three possibly four times in this draft coming up if the Rockets fall out of that top four that's who who knows what the Thunder are going to come away with here but for the Celtics I'm thrilled out of all the options that we threw around (laughs) tons of them had injury concerns some of them were just mediocre role guys just expensive like John John Wall was a sexy ish one this is the safest one in the sense of you know what you're getting in return Horford has value and that money the cap relief is immense in that year two of that deal and then heading into that summer is a huge, I mean, a huge, huge deal there. Here's the key note on that cap. I viewed it as an incentive initially, like he would make 14 million that year. You would actually have to waive Horford to get the benefit of that relief going into next year. So that does dull my excitement of this a little bit. I thought you were actually just going to have Horford on the roster for fourteen million in that case, but he would still be here for twenty six if they actually kept them in that scenario. But he's still. It's a dead cap. He plays one yeah. year and you get rid of him and you're paying $14 yeah. million to get rid of him, right? Which works. Which, yeah, that works. In which case, you probably come up with a buyout option, theoretically. I mean, I don't know how that would work, but I would imagine yeah, there's a way a, around that. But you're going to get a, that relief. Yeah. It'd be a buyout or a trade uh, sometime this season if things aren't going well, obviously, Bingo. during right. the year. Yeah, yeah, you'd get some three or a bunch of contracts back. But either way, having him here, even at it's a full contract figure – yeah, it's, it's less than Kemba, and I think he's just a better fit and more useful on this roster next year than Kemba would have been. And it's stability. That was the biggest thing in trading Walker. That in-out, in-out, in-out nature of him last year just proved to be devastating for their you know, stability during the year. They start 8-3. and three, He comes back, goes 3-13 in that Knicks game. They lose by 30, and from there, they're 500 the rest of the way, or really worse uh, considering that start. So... It's not great. I'm not thrilled to see Kemba go. You obviously would have liked to see the deal work, and it's, it's you're not coming away with amazing pieces here. But I think this is theoretically the best you could have done in a Walker trade. And but- I'm I, for me, the, the, the Mo Brown component is what I'm the most excited about. Um, we're, you're talking about a 21 year old who put a 20 piece on the Celtics, and he damn near did that in the first half. Uh, he was I'm stunned. With- he's coming. He was a tw- he was almost twenty rebounds in the first half. That's right? what I mean. I mean, he yeah. was amazing. And even if that was just kind of a fluke, you look at his trajectory, and he's had games where he's up and down, up and down. But you know what? It's hard to gauge whether that is his just inconsistency or OKC, wow. as we all know. What's, what's that, Bobby? He's seven foot two. I didn't know he was that right. big. Yeah, he's a, he's a seven Jeez. foot two kid. Uh, he's another kid from New York City, like Campbell. This is a kid that if you're the Celtics, to me, 
this is going to be what's going to determine how, whether this is a great deal or not, how he, he grows, how he develops. Because I think of all the pieces in this deal, there's no question he is the one that has the most potential and upside to be a high impact player. And and to your point, Bobby, that stability that you talked about that we didn't necessarily have with Kimba. Now you've got Rob, you've got Tristan, you've got Moses. And so if Al Horford can't go, you've got three other decent options to turn to. They have a lot more flexibility on the front line now than they've had in the past. Yeah. I mean, and the salary is insane. This is a guy signed on a two-way deal who they extended during the year and he's they on the extended him. I think they extended him right after that Celtics game. Yeah. Right within, yeah. within a week or two, definitely. It was, it was, it was soon after they're like, we got something in this guy. He was nine and nine. He had Tristan numbers this year. And again, everything with a grain of salt in OKC, you're basically playing a G league roster all year long. So, you know, guys are getting minutes. You have no idea how they're going to perform elsewhere. So that's the question mark there is great nine and nine in okc what is that in a real place you know when you're not you know uh, but he was well per, you know, per 36 per 36 he was 15 and 15 exactly mm-hmm. and his and and he's signed for i mean you know one seven one eight and two million all the way through 2024 that is an insanely good depth piece at that money you know you're that's yeah. hard to find something like that with the assumption that you know, you're playing behind Rob, Al, whether he plays this year is here for a one-year mentorship or whatever, but you absolutely have to move on from Tristan now. And I don't know how you do that without spending more draft capital uh, to dump that, to dump that deal. Unless you find a situation where it's, he's only 10 million and he's a bench big. I'll trade it for your $10 million guy. Who's a, who's a, who's a guard or a point guard that you don't need. We got to find, you got to find matches there. There might I be think a Tristan's, for, I think Tristan's out of here. There might be a one for one swap. I do not oh, want to keep doing the Cantor Poirier thing where you're giving away, <laughs> given where you're paying people to take your, take your stupid contracts, you know? Well, the other thing too, John, is, and this is to keep in mind is that there's, there's going to be a handful of teams that are going to have decent amount of cap space who can just take Tristan on and the Celtics won't have to necessarily take anything back and just want it with another TPE, which to me, if, if you're getting, if you're going to unload Tristan and work, case scenario is you get another trade TPE I'm cool with that because you don't want to invest as your point John you don't want to give more assets away to get rid of him so if you can literally get rid of him and only acquire an asset not a great one but it's still an asset nonetheless you got to look to do that yeah yeah it'll be interesting I I'd keep an eye on the Clippers when it comes to Thompson obviously he would like to go to LA Serge Ibaka just had a major back surgery. So maybe that's the kind of guy you take back and something like that and hope he recovers or one of their guards, like a Patrick Beverly or something to make that work. I don't know how to line up exactly. The Clippers have the first round pick too this year. Um, so you could try to get back into the first round and sending out Thompson. I don't know. It depends what level of interest, as you say, Sherrod, there is in a Thompson out there. I'm sure there'd be some now that he's an expiring contract. Yeah, yeah, and, and and speaking of LA, don't be surprised if if there's a a Tristan Lebron reunion of some kind. I mean, the, the Lakers, yeah, the clearly, Lakers, they're gonna be looking to make some moves and some changes. Well, and they've got some guys that you can see are on that expendable uh, list of of talent. So, would not be surprised if Tristan somehow finds a way to get to LA. Could, uh, whether could it's you Clippers do, or Lakers? Could you do Thompson for number twenty two in this draft? I wouldn't. Are you I know, nuts? John, you're, you're crazy about being out of this first round. I think you can get back into this first round. I'm not round crazy sometime. about it, but Thompson doesn't get it. Now, my biggest fear here, 
my biggest fear is that Rob is the thing um, that gets you not back into this first round, either gets you future assets or gets you players you need elsewhere. So this is my, if Brad Stevens is pulling the strings here, we have a good idea what he thinks of Rob, which is nice piece, but I don't know if I can count on him. Um, if you're Brad, are you happy with a Horford, Mo Brown, um, you know, Tristan Cornette, Cornette situation this year? And, and, and <laughs> bye bye, Luke. No, but I mean, does Rob now become your only way? I think you have to keep Rob. Yeah. I, I look, you don't have to. I, I don't need to tell people my opinion. It's clear. But as soon as I looked at this, I was like, oh, crap. You got to decide whether you're going to extend Rob. You're worried about his injuries. Um, you've got Mo Brown under contract for, you know, for four years for nothing. Um, I, you know, this is a, definitely a bit of a concern of mine here um, that, you know, Rob could be a piece that gets dangled. I don't know. This is maybe it's an I, irrational I see fear. Him doing that because Rob is really of all the bigs that we're talking about here. He's, he's the future. The only one, he's the future. He's the only one that has like a clear pathway towards being an impact player. We've seen him do it. Now we saw Mo Brown do it for a game. And if you look at his body of work, there's no question the potential is there. But we, as small as the sample size is with Rob, it's still a bigger sample size than we have with Mo Brown. Uh, and Al Horford, bless his heart, he's just not that four or five time all-star he was in Atlanta or the early days when he was in Boston. So I don't, I just don't see them dangling Rob out there. Now, if I were one of the other 29 teams in the NBA, you're damn right. I'm asking about Rob Williams uh, because I, I would see him the way I think the Celtics do. And that is a young guy who's had an injury riddled career thus far, but has tremendous upside if he can stay healthy. Uh, and, and there, there will be interest in Rob Williams, obviously, but, I just, I just don't think the Celtics are going to get a deal that'll make them want to move on from him. Because I, again, it's, I just think he's too. It's, it's not but, worth their while. He only makes right. five million bucks or whatever it is. Okay. So what do you get Ro- back Robin, for that? Robin, another first for Lonzo. No. Oh, oh. Are we talking an unprotected first? I'm just saying. Rob, I'm not saying do it. I'm saying, I'm saying. Everyone wants Rob. You have to start to consider possibilities here. Yeah. The problem is, is are you confident with Mo Brown as your starting center? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know. Uh, so, but you- I, I view Mo. I view Mo as a counter to whether if Rob falls apart here right. next year, and they end up moving on from him after this year uh, in free agency or whatever it will be there, restricted free agency. They'll have those rights on him, so you can bank on possibly getting a deal for Rob if it doesn't go all that well and giving him another year or two chance of cheap money, or if he explodes this year and becomes the player we think he can, you don't mind paying him at that point in free agency and matching whatever deal is out there for him. Ultimately, no one's going to be paying Rob $20 million, even if he has a great year here. Teams just aren't doing that for centers, especially in free, on an offer sheet. So you got to keep Rob here. He's the guy who, if he pans out, raises your ceiling as a team. We saw that last year. There's just nothing of value that can match that to me. First rounders, anything like that. And I don't think Lonzo, I don't think that Lonzo deal would line up. Yeah. And again, I don't know how you can do all stuff with the hard caps and situations here. And I don't know what they can do in sign and trade situations here because they're bumping up against, um, you know. You do save $9 million here. In, you save a little here. So that yeah. helps. But I don't know if you, I don't know what. I still don't I, think you hard cap yourself. I, so even with a sign and trade? Well, you would, but I don't think that's a good idea. 
it, just, it, it might not be. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering it. what's even possible. Like if John Collins all of a sudden re-enters the equation for a Rob situation. You know what I mean? It's like now you start to you save that little bit of money. You start to do math on what else can you do. I don't think you can because I think you are you're you're you're, you're hard capping yourself on you'd any side trades here. Yeah, you'd have to find a way to send out some serious money there, like right. Smart's contract, Thompson's contract. And again, if you get to the trade deadline and you have a big opportunity and you're like, oh, we're hard cap, we really can't do what we want to do here. I don't think that's a good idea for a team with like the Celtics where they are. They want to have all the flexibility they can going forward to do whatever they want here. And again, Collins is not going to be easy to get this offseason. And Lonzo is not going to be much easier. There's going to be real interest in those guys that supersedes what the Celtics are able to give up. Yeah, and I just think the Hawks, they're gonna they're gonna pony up and pay Collins what he wants. They have to um, now, right? They have to now. I mean, <laughs> I, how do you how do you have the kind of success like if they get to the conference finals, which it looks like there's a, a pretty good chance they'll do that, you gotta pay that man his money. Uh you can't pop, and you gotta pay Nate as your new head coach. So yeah. I, I'm not really thinking all that much about Collins because I just don't see him as someone that's realistically attainable at this point. But John, the point that you brought up, and I I think it's it's a good one that we need to start kind of wrapping our, our, our heads and our arms around is the idea of who the hell is going to be your point guard? I mean, you've got Smart, question. you've got Pritchard, but is that enough? Do you have to address that? Because I think that's one of the, the trickle-down domino effects of this trade that, you know, it's it's still kind of marinating for people. But at some point when you look around and you realize, oh, crap, they've got Pritchard, Marcus Smart, that's it. For, yeah. play, for legit point guards. It, and it, neither one of those is – well, Pritchard is, I think, more of a prototypical point guard who can shoot. But second-year player? Yeah. Look, ultimately, I think all of this – you know, the, the, the impetus for doing this is less about how you're going to fill holes today on this mm-hmm. roster. It's how it's how you're going to find enough salary space to add a third star. Um, mm-hmm. If not not if not this not this year, but next. Um, that's kind of – what you're looking to do here. So I think again, Bobby, we said at the beginning of the year, you know, like when I was talking about this season, like, I don't care about this year. I am looking at positioning this team to appease Tatum and Brown to stay here long-term and create a situation where you have the flexibility to get them to recruit their pal here, get that third star, lock that person up long-term. And there you go. That's the key. Not whatever little pieces you're putting in and around here. I think that this move moves you closer to that. And that's why I think it's a positive move. I think people are going to assess the player return and spend a little bit of time on that. Um, and like, did we get enough? Did we, this, could we have made a better trade? Ultimately it's that relief. And that's one of the reasons you like this trade is that Horford does save you money, but you're creating space, creating space to get that third star somewhere along the line. And that's, what's going to win you a title. It's not going to be, look, you gotta be smart and you can't blow your mid-levels on guys like Tristan, but the three stars plus your smart moves plus some depth pieces, plus the development of the younger players you have now, that's what gets you there. So I'm, I, I think it's yeah. a positive and, overall. Yeah. And you might be able to kick back that tax for another year and, right. you know, yeah. still feel the competitive team in the process. The worst thing they could have done you this year. Can. I, You're not, are you markedly yeah. worse this year than last year? No. They might mean, be better because of the defense. You might yeah. be better. Yeah. You might be better. Yeah. But right. You have to, uh, you have to, you got to do some things. You're right, because point guard is a bit of a situation here. My question now is, what does this do for 
It's really hard to assess this until you see the other moves because right now you would think, well, they definitely need this guy until you move other pieces around. And then you say, well, now they don't need this guy. But like Marcus but, Smart, it's hard to I, imagine a world in which you move Marcus right now because right. you the cupboard would be totally bare, right? And Marcus seemed like a guy at the beginning of the year we were talking about, beginning of the offseason rather, we're talking about you might have to move him if you're not going to sign him, you know? And I, we might be married to Marcus for the rest of time, which for a lot of people, myself is included, fine. is not a bad thing for the right for the right price. I'm, uh, and I'm, I think thrilled, you're gonna... about, I'm thrilled yeah. about the opportunity of keeping him and making him the point guard now. I mean, how yeah. long has he been here and shown that he's a great passer and has had to yield to the Kyries, the Kembas, the Isaiahs? I know he's not a scoring threat. I know right. he's not a scoring threat, and you want to have someone at that position who's a scoring threat, but you now have two starters in Horford and Smart whose main mentality is getting other guys the ball and creating quality looks. That's a game changer. And I know Horford's not as good as Kemba Walker, but you have a guy who's focusing on defense, passing, spacing the floor, cutting, things that they were brutally missing last year. And he's really good, even at 35, at those things still. I- I'm just thrilled that he's here. Plus, also, I'm not as I'm not nearly as thrilled as Bobby is. I love Al, uh, I do, but he's 35 years old, and I I, I can't get past the fact that the Al Horford that we're getting now is not going to be the Al Horford that we had, you know, when he was the the biggest free agent signing in Celtics history, you know, not that long ago. But the one thing I, I will say that Al can do, and he's consistently done this everywhere he's been, is he's a ball mover. And I thought with yeah. this particular group, Tatum. And Brown, there was a little too much iso ball, a little bit too much the ball sticking in their hands. Al forces you to not do that. And I think this team is so much better when the ball doesn't stick. So even though he has clearly taken a step or two back in terms of what he can do on the floor, the one thing that is never going to leave his game is that that facilitation dynamic. And that is going to be huge for this team because not only is that going to make them a better offensive team, but because they're going to, I think, be a little bit more efficient, that's going to allow teams to play more against a set defense. And having Al as part of that group, I think is going to be a really good thing. Well, so, so there's there's just and, and again, to your point, Bobby, with Marcus Smart probably being a little bit more in that point guard mode, that means you're probably going to have one one of the league's better defenders on the perimeter, on the floor for more significant stretches of the game. So I think there's a, there's a lot of positives that can come out of having Al, but don't get it twisted. This is not all-star Al that we're getting. No. Uh, so I, I don't want to get ahead of myself with the defense, John, real quick, but you look at a starting lineup of Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, Rob, potentially, that's good defense across Ooh. the board. Ooh. You, you yeah. can switch. I mean, you can have well, – well, I, I got to pump the brakes a tad because I wanted to say this. Like, right now, <laughs> it's, you have to be real. Like – uh, you know, Marcus Smart is was the best point guard on the roster by default, not by not by his actual ability. Marcus Smart is not one of the better point guards in the league. Marcus Smart is not a terrific point guard. He's not a terrific ball handler. He can't get into the lane. He can't do a lot of things. Uh, he is the best distributor they have and something you weren't getting from Kemba Walker, who was your point guard, who was obviously a score first point guard. He's not a great point guard. He's not a great option. He's much better suited on a championship level team to be coming off your bench rather and possibly closing games rather than be starting and running your offense. That's, that's that's a fact. I'm sorry. It just is. Al Horford is fine. He's a good 
depth piece, but now we're talking and now we're talking about theoretically a starting lineup that has two guys who really should be on the bench. We can't be excited about that. You can't be. It's fine. It will get you by, but like, what are you starting smart? Uh, Horford, you're going back to double big, smart Horford, Rob in the wings next Horford year. Horford can shoot. That's not great. Okay, you're better if you if you bring back Fournier, and I don't know whether you do. You're better off with three wings, a, a big, and I'm and, and Marcus. I, I like that the matchup the, game. I like it for the switchability. I like it because you don't have to worry about you know you've got rim protection in Rob. Uh, uh, you've got you know you've got there's a there's more things you could do there, but you'd have to do that. You don't resign Fournier. You are looking at pretty. You're counting on big things from from you know, veteran guys or guys who are kind of playing out of position a little bit, uh, not out of position, but in roles you don't necessarily want them in. So I don't think the long game is Marcus Smart as the point guard of this team and Al Horford doing anything. No, I, just, you need other options. What you have to live with next year, yeah. You might want to do something like a Thompson-Rondo swap possibly. Like you, you do want to bring in some depth point guards here who can continue to move the ball throughout the lineups because Payne Pritchard probably is still a bench player next year. Uh, you know, Tremont Waters is gone. So you are really thin at the playmaking lead guard position, especially when it comes to a scoring threat. And that's what I know you're getting at there with Smart John, that he, he doesn't present himself as a threat as a point guard. So that does that limits his playmaking ability overall, but his pure passing instinct, his vision, those things, I a hundred percent believe in his ability when it comes to that. He throws quality lobs. He finds guys on the perimeter and he can even leverage himself in the lane on post-ups and stuff like that to get guys great three point shots. I, I've always loved his passing. I really have. And I, I you know, like when he's, when he's focusing it. on that, when he's focusing on that, John, he's shooting less, you know, he's not that right. wing pull up shooter. Yeah, it, it's it, like I said, it's fine. But in a perfect world, you know, like I said, is this is not an ideal scenario where you're relying on a 35 year old guy, you know, to to start and to you know, uh, it, you know, improve your lineup, and then a point guard who who's frankly, you know, he's been a man without position his entire life. The reason Marcus Smart works off the bench is he comes in and he gives the game what it needs. That's always been yeah. his trade, his mantra. I'm going to give the game what I need, which is against this lineup, I'm going to guard the I'm going to guard the center and against this lineup I'm going to play the point. And with this combo of people out here, I'm going to be this I'm going to try to shoot more and with this combo of people out here, I'm going to do this. But he's not great at any of those things, you know. He's just able to do a lot of different things and gives you versatility, but he's definitely not the guy who you say that's the point guard that I want. So what if you're looking for this year, you'd have to do something else kind of splashy um in order to get somebody on the court you're going to feel better about. Otherwise, you're going to this will be a one step back to take two steps forward year and I've used yeah. that phrase I've used that phrase a thousand times. This is a hold the line deal and situation with this team. I need to hold the line for a little bit longer and I'm going to and then I'm eyeing the moves I'm going to make next year and down the road and that's where it's going to go. So, you know, this might be a little bit of a robo team this year where it's patched together. You never know though. A big I mean, if Brad's going to do this day 1, you know, day 1 of free agency, but really early on, I wonder what else could happen. Right. You know? And then the, and the other factor too to keep in mind is that you know, near the end of the season, we started to see some of those young guys actually show some potential to be more than just an okay player. I mean, Neesmith, I think, has 
major, major upside. The, the very things that we talked about he was really good at coming into the league, he's still very early in his in his development stages of being a guy that can knock down shots. But he plays hard, plays with great energy, and that is his foundation right now, which to me it's, it's usually the opposite. Guys who are coming as shooters, that's what they do early on, and then they learn how to play hard. Uh, yeah. He's at, So that's a guy that could, again – this team, I think, is being built to be competitive, John. I, I think that they're just going to be like those old Brad they Stevens will be teams that we used to year. love. Yeah, they had games where they they were they mailed it in as a group, where they just they were just they showed up. They didn't compete. I think this team is going to be more consistent co- competitor than we saw last year, uh, and that's a, that's a good thing. Because again, this team, I don't think this team is being built to win a title next year. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily going to compete for one, but they can compete, period. And that's what the fans around here love to see. They want to win, absolutely, but at at a minimum, play your ass off like you care. What I do want to say is I don't want to create the impression that trading Kemba Walker makes the team more competitive because Kemba did compete. The issue with Kemba was flat out, you know, here's the thing. Couldn't stay healthy. People will assess this trade and determine, okay, what did they get in value? Did they give up too much? But ultimately, if if Kemba is done, anything. if Kemba is done, done, this was uh, hit it out of the park, home run, you know, walk off, you know, because I think they're worried that this is like Kemba doesn't do anything for the future here. So you had to get moving. You had to get moving here, and they did it. Uh, I did want to address this because this is interesting. The knock on Danny, and one of the things, one of the reports that came out after Danny left was this scuttlebutt that players who'd come here had kind of bad-mouthed it, the treatment that they got. This is huge. You sign here, and then you're already on the move. Like, I don't see a world in which, like, Brad's first move was to do a very Danny thing, and he can absolve himself by saying, um that he uh you know well it's not my uh i got a situation here hold on one <laughs> they did everything for kemba that they possibly could have yeah and on the other side of that what i do love about the charade is you have a guy in horford who the thunder said i'm gonna work with you you're gonna go home you have uh, the patriots beat logo up here i'll fix that as well um you have a guy in kemba or in horford who's going to take a back seat for us, who's going to go home, help us tank, do our thing here. And we're going to work with him on his future destination. If he really hated Boston, didn't like it here, didn't want to come back, this deal probably doesn't get done. But he looks at the situation now post Irving and it's like, all right, we got some young guys here. We got some young stars. I like what we got here and I'm going to go back and do it again. That's good on the Al thing, but I am like I said, is you've you've done you've done Kemba dirty, so to speak. Um, well, at least how did they do Kemba dirty? I, look, I'm just talking about the way. I'm just it's just a phrase, Bobby. I'm saying I've never. I was like, what are you talking about? I've never bought into that. I think it's a. They did thing. everything they possibly could. I, I, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. I I I have always believed it's a business. You can't have. You can't be pissed off when people trade you you know no matter what there's no loyalty on either side you you totally understand it um when um you totally understand it when um whatchamacallit um when uh, uh when guys get traded and when yeah. guys well, make their own decisions and free agents. I, I, I think what people people don't seem to understand was that al didn't leave because he hated it in Boston. He left because he got a better offer. He felt that his value was at a certain point. The Celtics didn't agree. And so then Al said, well, let me go find out what that value is. And he got a four-year, $109 million deal, 
which was more than the Celtics felt he was worth. Now, in, in retrospect, uh, the Celtics were right because when you look at how things flamed out for Al in Philadelphia, look how things didn't work out when he got traded to OKC. I mean, Al has been at a couple of different places since he left Boston. And I think if you're Al Horford at this point in your career, you got to ask yourself, what's the best situation for me? Players want to play, they want to get paid, and they want to win. Some combination of those three things always comes into play. And if you're Al Horford, you look at where you were in Philly, that was you weren't feeling good about that situation. You look at OKC, that was the first time Al Horford has, the playoffs have began since he came to the league, and he wasn't in it. Uh, and so if you're Al, why the hell not would you go back to Boston? I mean, some of your best years in the NBA, some of the best uh, moments you've had as a player came in that short window when you were in Boston. And for you to have a chance to go back, get the money that you wanted to get from Boston before you left, and still be in this kind of mentor role, that's... You're not going to be mad about that if you're Al Horford. There's nothing to be mad about with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're not mad if you're Al. And Al did what he wanted to do. Al's the one guy who I'm like, he didn't leave here pissed or bummed. I'm saying it's a reputation thing. It's not the players who you've theoretically wronged. You now have Kemba coming here, leaving a place he really loved that he would have stayed if they ponied up, but they chose not to. Came here, he said he wanted to commit, and then you're trying to trade him one offseason later. Uh, Tristan came here. You're really worried about doing business with clutch clients. You've got him in here, and immediately you're like, you got to get rid of this guy. Look, I'm not saying – I mean – you can't tell me it's not a real thing. No, it is. it is. Perception is reality in this case. And if it becomes an issue, uh, it becomes an issue. So it is – I'm not making a point like this is a big deal or a bad thing. It just is interesting that this was something people said about Danny throughout his tenure, that he does this to people. And it is just interesting to me that two of Brad so – it's very likely Brad's here. first two moves are going to be to get rid of guys – who a couple of years ago or a year ago you sold on Boston being the right place for you. Um, And it is just interesting that that's going to happen with Kemba and Tristan most likely uh, to be moved. If Tristan's going to Toronto or LA, I don't think he'll be too pissed. But the difference with with the Kemba situation is that he, unlike Isaiah, who injured his hip in Boston, played through Mm -hmm. it in Boston, wasn't on a big contract and lost probably $100 million. Easily. Kemba, Kemba earned... 100 million guaranteed here, played through multiple knee surgeries in Charlotte and came here with that injury baggage on him. So in in essence, it was almost the opposite. The Celtics paid him, facilitated his treatment, all these things, tried to get him on a program, tried to make it work after, you know, reporting to trade him last offseason, and it didn't work. And by all accounts in that Bleach Report story, he wanted out as much as they wanted out from him. So if he ends up in New York at the end of this all, Kemba? he's going to be fine too. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how bad he wanted out. I do think he was probably a little bit hurt or offended to the fact that like I came here. I think he was definitely bothered. I don't, those things have a way of like, it's all a matter of context. You know, Sherrod's probably heard 8 million reports like this that are out there about people that just because I'm annoyed with something doesn't mean I'm ready to blow it up or ready to leave. There's a lot of things that bother you, you know, like it's like complaining about your wife. It doesn't mean you want a divorce. You're just saying like, (laughs) Oh, that sucked today. She, she, she she, she grilled me over this. And then someone goes and writes in the paper, John wants a divorce. Like, that's not what I said. I just got annoyed about this thing. So yeah, Kemba certainly might've been annoyed, but I don't think Kemba was done, done with Boston. Yeah. No, the the thing that, that just folks that I've spoken to about this have indicated to me that more than anything, 
he was just bothered by the fact that he was the subject of all these damn trade rumors. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, Kim is no different than any other player at that stature. And you just want to be somewhere where you're wanted. You don't want to be in a situation where, you know, this team is doing everything to get rid of you. And then they expect you to go out there and play your ass off for them, even though they don't want you to play for them. That's where a lot of players, that's where their frustration comes. They would much rather be traded quickly, get onto a team that wants you, than to be stuck with a roster and a, and a coaching staff and an organization that is doing everything they can to get your ass out the door. To me, that's the tough part. When you're the subject of trade rumors and you know they're true, and yet you're still expected to go out there and perform as if everything is hunky-dory. <laughs> it's, always a it's always a relationship <laughs> analogy for John. It is. I, I do want to point something out here because people are kind of missing it. Everyone immediately – you know, thinks as soon as Anna Horford starts tweeting, they're like, oh, Alf's wife is tweeting. It's Why? not Alf's wife. Do we still do that? Guys, we've, we did this. We had him for a few years. We've been over this. Anna Horford this is, is great. not his wife. Anna Horford, <laughs> Anna Horford, podcaster on CLNS But yes, Media. the Anna Horford season. It's Anna Horford season again here at CLNS I'm calling Media. Dibs. I'm calling yes. dibs on Anna Horford. I'm calling dibs now. The sa- Other than Bobby, the saddest person – the saddest person uh, on 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 the planet when Al uh, left here was Anna. She loved, uh, you know, this. Plus, we've also got Anna Horford versus Lou Merloni 2.0. I'm friggin' really excited about that. You know, average Al. You know what though? We right now the funny thing is we're dying for average Al. That's what we want. <laughs> you are average hoping, Al would be an upgrade at this. You're point. hoping you traded for average Al. Like I average Al would be great. I am not going to deal with that this season. If you look back, I said this to Nick the other day, Celtics history, two of the most efficient playoff runs ever by a Celtics player were 2017 now and 2018 now. Those were incredible runs by both those players. And they both went to the Eastern Conference Finals with those teams. I, the Sherrod said this a little while ago, that their ability to be competitive here. I know you look at this lineup and say, isn't a great offensive team, but you still have the pure firepower of Brown and Tatum that I think at least sustains you on the offensive end. And I think the gap that you're going to make up defensively this year with these different pieces, and we'll see where it all ends up, that can be such a massive stabilizing force for a team. Like just being great at defense night in, night out. And we know that last year's team was horrific on defense many nights. That's going to be a big boost for this group. I think they can already you know, start to expect that there'll be a much more stable team night in and night out. You know that all your guys are going to be playing. You know that all you can defend. Um, now, as for Kemba, I know a lot of people are going to say, look back on that offseason. That was the same offseason Al left and say, should you have just kept Roger? Should you have kept that youth movement moving? They probably should have never even signed Kemba. I, I still look back on 2020 and that run that they made team and Kemba and Hayward getting hurt I, I think you had a real chance to win a championship that year so you probably still go back and do that I, I think you like that one chance to win a championship is always worth it even though it didn't pan out health-wise and Kemba ended up getting hurt in the process yeah and and, and when you make that run towards the title Bobby and, and, and John the one thing I, I always look back is if it doesn't work out does that devastate your franchise in other words do you go from being that close to being the last team standing to being 
you know, the Houston Rockets 2020-2021? And the answer is no, the Celtics are nearly as bad as that organization, that team is. But they've clearly taken a step back from where they were a year or two ago. And that's okay because to John's point, sometimes you do have to take a step back to take two or three forward. Uh, If you can bring in an Al Horford and create, you know, over another year or so, enough cap space to go out and land that a legitimate member of the big three or one of your young guys all of a sudden starts playing more minutes and they develop into that third big time option, then it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. If a year's worth of, uh, you know, having Rob under his wing uh, helps out, uh, helps Rob um, do some things. I know they overlapped by a year, Rob's rookie year. Um, but Al had his own shit to worry about that year. That was a you know really funky season in Boston, obviously. Um, so I like the idea of the veteran presence, the guy who does things right, the guy who values defense, the guy who values distributing, the guy who doesn't worry about stats, the guy who you know can still you know uh, theoretically defend a couple of different positions, and who's there to help you know maybe help Rob you know uh, you know yeah, set his set his alarm clock and you know um, you know stay on the court or do whatever it's, he it, needs to do. I, it's I, gonna I don't be mind a, it's that. gonna be a it's gonna be a feel-good team to some degree, don't you think? Yeah. Like just, it's just hard having, to say. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it all. It all depends. Like I said, Kemba, we, 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 we didn't. You didn't trade something poisonous. Kemba was a guy who he wasn't poisonous personality-wise. But I said from the very beginning that year that there was a real problem in terms of just three guys who really need the ball, who are isolation yes. scorers. Right. That's that. So, that is a problem. You, I mean, you yeah. had to. It's been a problem now for multiple years. You've just had too many guys who need the ball. Um, but I think Kemba was liked. I think Kemba um, had a good, positive attitude. I think it was just frustrating because they, they, uh, they couldn't win. You know, he missed they so many win. games. I mean, how yeah. many times last so, year yeah, was it like? The court. Was it like, oh, Kemba's out lost tonight? It was just routine, and it felt like so many games were just essentially forfeited and trying to maintain him because of their depth situation and just how little scoring they had at the top of the roster and how offensive-dependent the team was. Uh, it yeah. was just an unstable team and situation last year, and that that program was just really devastating, and he, in many ways, was, I think, the most uh, impactful player on their inconsistency last year. No one could establish their roles. No one could build cohesion and chemistry. You had other injuries that like put more pressure on a Tatum when Brown and Kemba were out. Uh, you know, when Rob was out, you had even less passing. There was games where it was just Tatum doing everything. And now yeah, I think yeah. you have some guys that are going to be a little more consistent. Yeah. Right. And the, the injury thing was really the, the one shocker for most of us because you look at Kemba's time in, in you know, Charlotte, he rarely missed games. Uh, he was an Iron Man of sorts. I mean, and, and so. For Celtics fans and, and for those who follow Kemba, his time at Boston is just a bit of a head-scratcher. But it felt, and we were all a little bit concerned about this from the jump, was whether all those years in Charlotte, the wear and tear that his body went through, being the you know having to carry that franchise year after year after year, at some point you figured it would catch up to him. And it, and it really does. You know, Just look at his time in Boston, Pierce, that was the time. So if you're the Celtics, you might be cutting the ripcord in time to, to – not frankly devastate your organization even more so and take even more steps back if you were to keep them around. Yeah. Um, that Moses you, Brown edition's really good. I that's huge, that. man. I love that. That's yeah. my favorite part about this whole deal, to be honest. Yeah. People still um, jumping in here. Um, 
and uh you know just catching up some people are literally just like wait what let's just catch you up let's <laughs> this is normally this is this is normally when i'm waking up right now i would normally be like what's going on <laughs> yeah let's let's catch people up a little bit here um we have uh you know major uh trade here as you can see on the screen uh kemba walker going to okc this is a trade uh we talked about as a total possibility the price of unloading kemba's salary is a first round pick um, the 16th pick in this year's draft is gone. So, guys, if you wanted to start doing your draft homework, I know that was Bobby's next assignment. On Monday, we were about to start talking draft profiles. Take the next couple of weeks off. We're good. Uh, <laughs> no first-round pick. Swapping future second-rounders, Mo Brown also coming back. It's a nice addition. Uh, this trade very much about uh, creating salary space, getting out from under Kemba's contract, giving you some more flexibility. Again, we assume in the hopes of – uh, you know, trying to find that third player to come here and join Tatum and Brown uh, for the future. So um, a lot of, you know, differing opinions here on what Al Horford can do, uh, the state of the current roster. Uh, one thing I think is clear, very, very, very clear. There is no way this is the only domino to fall. It is extremely interesting. We've talked a lot about this move, but you've got massive decisions. Again, this is what was so baffling about moving from Ainge to someone without experience like Brad in this offseason where you had on your to-do list, get rid of Kemba, find out, find someone who will take on Tristan, figure out what you're going to do about Marcus Smart's future, figure out what you're going to do about Rob Williams' future, decide if you're going to spend into the tax um, to re-sign Evan Fournier. Oh, and then maybe, uh, you know, research the draft, figure out whether or not you want to hold on to the kids here or you want to ship them for veteran picks. All of these things, this is step one, first domino of like a very, very busy offseason. And there is no way that this is... Um, this is the last thing to, to happen. In fact, you know, at the very least, you assume there's some other movement with a big. At most, there could be still some massive moves on the horizon, and nothing would really surprise me at this point. But this was clearly the first domino that had to fall. It was an important one. You had to move from this in order to start even considering some of the other stuff because you got to see where the money's going to be, and you needed mm -hmm. to figure out what you were going to do here. So there's some savings from Kemba to Al's nine million in savings. Um, Al, if he's waived next year, I believe uh, would would be fourteen million um, left over versus Kemba's thirty four. So that's twenty million must, in savings in year two. Unless they make the finals, yeah, right. Unless they make the finals, what what season was that where they wanted to miss the playoffs and Jay Crowner hit the corner three, corner three, and uh, and 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 you could see the ownership group on this on the on the baseline Celtics baseline like, oh, that'd no, be, uh, you know, that'd be Brad's second season, yeah, yeah Brad's second season. That's what's gonna yeah. happen if they make the finals, yeah. <laughs> but they're not making the finals. And no, I'm sure I don't think yeah. anyone. I don't think anyone would be bummed if they made. I don't the think finals anyone will be bummed if they make the finals. <laughs> if exactly. they have to cash out. <laughs> but I, 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 that one always cracks me up. They're like, oh, Jay, why? Um, so yeah, that's so where I, we're at. That's the yeah, full I, reset. Um, we've given our reactions on this one. What do you think happens next? Again, it's hard. It's a lot of information to take in. You got to look at numbers. You got to look at trade partners, other things here. But what do you think is the next domino to fall, guys? <sighs> I think it's it, got to be the coach. Um, for sure. I, that was the other one. Jesus, I forgot. Hire a coach. To, right. Right. It's to the point now where it seems every other day there's a, either a new candidate or a new opening uh, in this coach, in the coaching carousel. And so I think people forget because there's, there's more than half a dozen openings now, the Celtics had the first one. And so it would, you would think that if you're had, if you've had the most amount of time, 
to evaluate the process and figure out who your coach is, you should probably be the first one to to make a move. And and the, my concern with the Celtics is that they're going to figure out who they want and they're not going to pull the trigger quick enough because there are so many more teams competing for uh, that opportunity to, to, to find a coach and Boston. They, I, I think just like the Kimba move felt a bit <laughs> aggressive. I think the same attitude has to be with the coaching search and get it done sooner rather than later. Don't let this thing drag out. Don't let Portland or, you know, Dallas, you know, come in and swoop the candidate that you want. Uh, if you want someone, make the move. Be bold. Perfection is the enemy of the good. I think that could be one of the things you could always have pinned on Danny um, yeah. and his tenure is waiting too long for the perfect thing, you know, and not taking something that might be viewed as a potential risk or something that, you know, could have some benefit, but would it have the most benefit with the coach? You want to get that right. And so we understand that that's something where you really want to, you know, you want to make the best pick. You want to get the guy, you know, totally understand it. But with some of these moves, you do have to, you do have to get aggressive and you do have to risk it not being the best move or not being, you know, whatever, but you can't, you can't do nothing. And this is something that had to happen. So I, 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 I do, you know, agree. There's people jumping in a little late here. Horrible trade, horrible trade, horrible trade. I don't know. I got a lot of flack. I got a lot of flack when I brought up the Horford idea. Yeah, nobody's I, like I that think, ever because yeah. I think the last memory of Horford was that disaster year in Philly where he was just mm -hmm. a horrendous fit. He was playing along Simmons and Embiid, who we are still seeing to this day have huge issues on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, so once he went over to Oklahoma City. No one's watching that team. They were, as John said earlier in the day, a G walking G League team. But in the games yeah. he played, they were competitive. 11 and 14, I think their record was with him out there, compared to losing 16 to 17 after he went home with that one lot win at the Celtics. Uh, so <laughs> we'll forget that one. But he was solid there, 37% from three. You know, at least decent efficiency inside the arc. Still passing, still rebounding at a decent rate there he is he's a step below what he last was when he was here and who knows you might have to do yeah. some level of load management with him at 35 and not not nearly <laughs> the amount that you were doing with Kemba and defense I think at his size and his instinct level is still something that's going to come naturally to him with good defenders around him and a bit of a floor general something they need on that end of the floor so I, I, as time goes on, and again, this is one of the things here. We jump on a stream like this. We want to give you an instant reaction. We want to hear what you got. Everyone wants to talk. So you want to kind of, you know, empty it out a little bit. And that's what we're doing here. As time goes on, I mean, again, you know, our thoughts and our opinions are going to definitely uh, evolve and change a little bit. As this stream has gone on, I've started to just kind of think about future roster construction here. And I'm, you know, if, if, the, if you'd made a trade for someone like Porzingis, you know, or wall that might've signaled. I think we can get better with this guy. It's a one for one. We're all in on the money. You know, there's no flexibility going forward. I've got to live with this guy for three, four more years. And I want to, and that would be a different sort of trade. This trade, <laughs> the Horford one was always about money. Um, and now it's starting to make me think, you know, you could look at it as, Oh, they've got more money. So now they can sign some guy I'm starting to think they've got more money. So they're not going to sign some, some, some guys I'm starting to think this is going to mean 
thank you, Evan, for this one season, but we're all set. We're going to go with the wings that we have now. We're going to develop Neesmith and Romeo. We're going to save that space. We're going to save it because I'm looking for something bigger uh, down the road here. I'm wondering if that's the case. I'm wondering if Marcus is also a move out, you know, um, and if Rob and is a sweet if Rob is a sweetheart, long-term extension deal. If you can lock up your bigs uh, through twenty-five through twenty twenty-five with Mo Brown making what he makes and Rob Williams making something below market because injury issues and blah blah blah, that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's your move. You you extend Rob and you move on from those pieces, which will mean again you're going to lose that wing depth this year, or you're going to you're going to hand the keys over to Romeo and to and to Neesmith, um, and say, get good. Okay, here you go. Ben you're the best. You're the bench. You two that. and Mo and Pritchard are the bench. Go. This could also Wick could, and, and Wick. that could be horrible, but it's exciting too. Like there's there's something to be said for you know like do we have something in this guy watching the kids play? Some of the more exciting Celtic seasons were ones you didn't really know, but you knew there was some promise on the roster and some people you wanted to see whether or not they could develop. When they don't. It's freaking miserable when and, those guys are James Young and Yabu and guys like that. You're like, oh, and that's fuck. and and John, that's 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 my my concern. We saw what a youth movement looks like last year. Every pretty much everyone on that bench was young, and let's be honest, as a collective group, they weren't very good. They sucked. No. I think the, the Celtics have to do a better job of balancing that out. You, you have can't to have, it, yeah, yeah. You you can't have like your four top four or five guys you know, all coming off your bench, all on their rookie deals or all but one. Uh, there there needs to be better balance. So that's why I, I, I yeah. like the idea of bringing in a guy like Al Horford. I like for them to bring in at least one more veteran. And if that comes at the expense of getting rid of Tristan Thompson, <laughs> crocodile deals, so what? I don't care. They need to find a better balance. And it's not even so much to necessarily win a championship next year or the year after that. But to me, if you've got young guys on your bench who have upside, you need to create avenues for them to show that. Neesmith has to have a clearer path to getting on the floor. Same thing with Romeo. Same thing with Pritchard. Uh, you can't convolute that or, or just bog that down with unnecessary folks in the mix. Uh, you're two-way players. They need to be two-way players that you don't see. That's, again, one. Of, and we again, we don't have time to talk about it, but having no G League was a huge hurt to the Celtics uh, because you actually had to have Taco around and try to find moments here and there from the play. Same thing with Tremont. Uh, you don't have to worry about that if you got a G League. You can just let them do their thing out, out in Maine. So there has to be better balance with this roster than we saw last year because I thought it was just way too big. Our talent is in a starting lineup, and we don't have any type of experience coming off the bench. And they just have to figure out the – Find a happy medium. Yeah, I I think this guy is still worth investing in. Certainly, Neesmith and Pritchard showed that they're worth still developing going forward and holding on to here. And Romeo, I I wouldn't be mad if they moved on from him. If they really see something there and want to work on it for a few more years, fine. I'm fine with that. But Grant, Taco, Neesmith... Edwards, those guys have to be gone and replaced with veterans somehow. And that's the overhaul that I think we're going to see on this bench. The guys who haven't shown in have been here for a little while at this point. It's time to move on and bring some either fresh young talent who didn't work in other young places, some drafted free agents. I think, you know, they don't have a first-round pick, but what I think is interesting is we saw the all-rookie team come out yesterday, and for the second straight year, it hadn't been done since Gary Neal before that, I believe, when I was looking mm-hmm. quickly at the list. You had Kendrick Nunn last year, undrafted free agent, first-team all-rookie, and then this year, Jay Sean Tate, 
who was first team all rookie as an undrafted free agent. Celtics <laughs> can still make a second round pick here, I believe. They might not have their second round pick either, but if they don't, they can still look at undrafted free agents this year. These drafts are getting deeper and deeper every single year, the point where guys who aren't drafted can make an impact. So send in some of these guys who aren't working. Bring in some veterans like Jabari Parker is probably worth another run here, uh, guys like that. And then even with your TP, you can add another veteran and then some young guys who just haven't worked out or undrafted guys and just completely change the per, uh, perplexion of this uh, bottom half of the roster. <coughs> Guys, are you hearing me? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Sorry, I I I couldn't tell on my uh, version here if I was uh, if I had glitched out or not. I had a little issue earlier. Yeah, I think that's what you I think what you're doing here. So, Bobby, what's your take here? Is you you think, uh, you know, this results like what's your Fournier take now? Is to say this is a guy who you absolutely didn't want to see go. I, you have to keep him, especially now that you've saved yourself so. about nine million dollars because the baseline's ten, right? So if they can keep him for 10, that's essentially the difference between Kemba and Horford there that they can live with under the tax. I would still go into the tax to keep him because he showed he's reliable. You can probably keep him at moderate level money there, use as a trade piece down the line. Like, what are you going to do with another TP? You can't sign and trade him. And letting a guy go who is essentially that Hayward return would be devastating to me. Just awful asset management and a waste of a player who showed that he has great potential here. This makes me all the more adamant that you have to keep him. Interesting. Sherrod? Yeah, I'm not as sold on, on, on Fournier as, as Bobby is. Uh, I, and again, to the, to the point that you made earlier, Bobby, where – I can't hear Sherrod. Can you? Can, can you I got him. I'm oh, sorry. I lost yeah. him. I'm gonna, I, I might have to duck out, guys, and I'll jump back in. Yeah, keep going, no, Sherrod. I, I, can saying, I, I don't yep, necessarily – Yeah, I, I don't necessarily uh, agree uh, with you, Bobby, and, and only because – and you mentioned this earlier. The fact is you're still – teams are showing the ability to go out and find talent and not have to spend an exorbitant amount of money to do so. And I think with the Celtics, I think that they are a franchise that because of who they are, because of the opportunities that I think that roster is going to open up, I think there's some guys that might be overlooked that have real potential to impact in a positive way that the Celtics could get for pennies on a dollar. Uh, I do think that they could maybe find, you know, a, a perimeter version of a Moses Brown out there. Uh, and Fournier, uh, and again, I, it's it's so hard for me to understand and get a sense of whether he was a guy in Orlando who put up good numbers on a bad team, or is he a good player who just needed a, the right situation? He had moments where he looked amazing in Boston, and you would just you would definitely want to open the vault up and back the Brinks truck up for him. But there were times where he was MIA, and it didn't make sense. It hadn't it didn't have just, anything to do with. He, he's a tough one for me to 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 embrace the idea that I'm going to go into the tax because of this guy. So I, that's a good, tough one the, for me to buy. The good thing is, it doesn't seem, at least right now, we've been down this road before of saying Horford's not going to be that expensive. You can keep him around. Hayward's not going to be that expensive. Keep him around. All of a sudden, Fournier is going to find a hundred million somehow here, and then at that point, you're like, all right, whatever. But if you can keep him for $10 million a year, as some seem to think, it's a no-brainer to me. I mean, this is a guy who, in two separate games in very short time here, shot 7 of 11 from three. That's unfathomable to me. Like, you, you haven't had that guy in recent memory who can be a killer spot-up shooter, especially when you're fully healthy and the attention's on other guys. 
I think you need him now that we see how this roster is shaping out more of a defensive team than an offensive team, a team that lacks ball handlers a little bit. I think now more than ever, you need his skill set. So ideally here, if they can keep him at a figure that keeps them just below the tax line, you can dump Thompson somehow and go with a cheaper there or just completely offload his salary to a team that wants him. I, I think there's a way that you can keep this team together in a place that stays slightly under the tax. But even if you have to dip into the tax a little bit, keep them. I mean, it's well, just like, the, what are you going to do point? with the TPE? What are you going to do with the, letting them go? What's the point of the savings, though? That's what I'm trying to get with. Like, well, I mean, what's the point of spending if you're trying to save? Like, that's what I don't understand. Are you trying to fill this roster up? Because like, you want to, you want to still be able to win. I don't look at the young players on this roster. I like Neesmith. <laughs> I like Pritchard. All those guys. Unless Fournier is he, a tradable asset to get that thing down the road. You well, know, that's it too. You can otherwise you you're bogging yourself down. This is my problem with Fournier. He's great on a on a team that need. That well, is what's the to alternative? Compete. You're just gonna let him go. I. It's again, if you're trying to save money, are you adding long-term deals for God? And again, the, the worst thing you do in this league is is uh, pay big money to middle-class players. You know, you pay what your you, stars. What if you, you sign them for 13, 15 a year for two years? If you not what you sign him for. It's not what he's worth. It's what signing him prevents you from doing down the road and that's the question mark i'm trying to get and again i'm not pretending i'm a friggin i you know i can't do these cap gymnastics like you guys can but i'm just asking outright if you're signed fournier even to a bargain deal for three years four years does this is he a roadblock to uh, bringing in another player because you're hard capped or because you don't have that flexibility anymore when you are finally free of all of these contracts in two years. Oh, it's, it's the Tatum. It's the Tatum extension that does that. I know, but I mean, he, does Fournier also hurt? Like, are you trying to not take on more bulky contracts here and to lean up a little bit so you can strike when you need to, or do you need Fournier to and other contracts on your roster to match to go move? That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. I think to you make need your him. trades and to make your moves. I'm not worried whether you need him on the court. I'm saying fiscally. No, no, no. I think you need him for both uh, because okay. you don't have the valuable picks. You don't have the valuable prospects. So can they so still that's... have Fournier and Smart on this team? And if so, if you're picking Fournier, how in the world are you keeping Smart and extending Smart? And then if you don't, who the hell's playing point guard? You know, like that's why it's like there's still got to be a lot, a lot, a lot of moves to come. And you got to figure yeah. out what are you going to do with Rob Williams in his contract situation. That's another, uh, you know, issue that the Celtics have to kind of come to some resolution on. And I guess that's that's kind of why if you're the Celtics, in, you almost have to choose either Fournier or Smart um, in the backcourt because I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to keep them both. Uh, and if it's Smart, you're going to have to extend him if you're going to keep him. And is extending him more valuable to the team than letting <laughs> cutting him loose and keeping Fournier? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Smart. I think I think Smart has more value. I think Fournier certainly is a better score, but I think the totality of what they bring to the table. I, I, take I might smart. I might have to agree, and it's interesting, obviously, because you know, like I, I I've always thought Smart is a flawed player, but but right. it really comes down to what you're expecting from Smart when you put Smart in a right. be your be your number three guy or do this or do that. You know, like there's when he tries 
to do too much or when he's, I mean, we, we've seen the numbers when he's shooting 13, 14, 15 times a game, but would I rather roll the dice to save money, lock up somebody who helps you in a lot of different ways like Smart does, let Fournier walk and try to develop the wings that you currently have on this team and hope that that hits while also staying leaner with your contract, with the, with your contract situation? The answer might be yes, if that can net you something down the road. Um, because right now, you're if you bring in Fournier, again, you're blocking the development of these guys. You'll never see what you have in them. And that's that it's a gamble because you know Fournier can play. You know he's a good player. But I'm concerned with locking up a guy who you'll probably who's a one of the top free agents in this class because it's not a great class, who might command north of 15, 16, 17 million for three and four years, and then that's you just got them. Yeah, once once you get to three years, it does become difficult because anything past two years is a is is yeah because right. that's that's when you start to envision the team having some level of flexibility there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they there's no easy path to another max contract coming in here, especially Beal <laughs> up after next year. There's no chance that they can sign him in free agency. So when you ask about the money flexibility here, it's not really a huge issue. I think you want more so asset flexibility. How much can you compile here in terms of contracts, picks and the like, and now you've lost a pick here uh, that you could potentially move in a deal that makes you better here. I, I think all in all, beyond the on-the-court things that I think it's important to keep Fournier around for, you want to keep around a player who has some level of value and a medium-sized contract to use in deals down the line. Because right now, again, I don't. I think the case against hard-capping yourself is strong. You don't want to hamper your flexibility to that degree, so you're not going to sign and trade Fournier. And if you're just bringing in a TPE firm, as we've seen, you have to pay to use a TP to get less later. And you already have TPs that you need to pay to use right now to acquire something for anyway. So I don't think that's a good way to go. I think you need a player on the court who's shown he's a good fit here, who I think to some degree wants to be here and can be used down the line in trades. That's the greatest level of flexibility that you give yourself right now. And now that you've saved money on Kemba, there's even more the reason to do it to me because you, if you do get some level of bargain here, there's a chance in dumping some other pieces that you can stay under the tax. I know, but what in. is interesting now is like the, the Fournier thing, just to look at what a bad decision this was, you know, could, you know, could you have used it, that, 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 that large, wasn't TPE? it still better than Gordon though? Could you have used the large TPE right now? I mean, for a similar player, probably, but, we showed that they got the right player in Fournier. I mean, I compared the stats last week. Fournier was better with the Celtics statistically than Gordon was with the Nuggets. What I'm they saying is start. you're you're talking about, you know, a, a situation where um, you know, would, would it be horrible to have a $30 million TPE in a year where Bradley Beal is, a, is theoretically available right now? You know, like that's – no, because Beal's extension kicks in, so he's more expensive than the TV yeah. would have been at this I don't point. Know. I, I just, I, I, if you're not resigning Fournier, I, I, I really you're going to get Beal without Train Brown anyway. I really would have liked to see. I really, if you're not resigning Fournier, you probably should have held on to that TPE. No, I, I get that. I get that the goal is adding the third star, but right now with where the Celtics are in terms of assets and cap. 
there's no path to that third star. So you have to do what's best otherwise to keep yourself competitive and grow. And I'm not a big enough fan of any of these young guys to say completely clear Fournier out of here and give the keys to Romeo, Neesmith, and Pritchard. Uh, those guys don't project to be good enough in my mind to replace a guy like Fournier who shows at this point in his career, he's a winning player. He's a guy that can contribute to winning. He, he is? I think so. And no, I'm not going off like what he's done in his situations that haven't been good so far, including last year. I just look at what he does on the court. A little bit of tenacity, ton of shooting, ball handling. And he's a better defender than I think people gave him credit for. I mean, he was defending Kevin Durant and James Harden. Let's give this guy a break here. Yeah. Um, I wonder if Horford even plays this year, tell you the truth. And now I'm thinking about this whole deal. Um, you think a chance that he moves on, he gets moved again, something happens with his situation? There's it's a possible. Chance. There's a chance, but I don't think it's likely. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't think the Celtics will do that just because. Again, the, the one thing about Allen, we saw that when he was a player here, and certainly I, I know it was a factor in them making this move, is that he brings a lot of intangibles to the table, uh, things that don't necessarily show up in a box score, and you need one or two guys where that's one of their strengths. You don't need a whole roster of those guys, but one or two guys definitely helps. I know Rob Williams, I think, will be better for having Al Horford around. I I think the team's defense as a whole will be better, even if he's not out there playing a ton. Uh, That's still a veteran voice and presence, be it in practice, on the floor, in games, or inside the locker room. Al brings a lot of those those traits to the table. And and I don't see them trading that away unless you can, you know, unless you can get a really, really great player uh, in return, which I just don't think anyone is has that type of appetite for Al Horford. Fair enough. Um, so I don't know. Like I said, it's uh, it's hard to figure out, you know, how to feel about this until you see the next moves. Um, but again, just to reiterate, it's it's Kemba. You've traded some you've traded some valuable draft capital to get out from under Kemba and save yourself a little bit of money. The question now is, you know, do you use that money to continue to build on this year's team? Are you trying to save for the future? What are you trying to do? Um, you know, uh, it's uh, I don't know a lot of lot of question marks still. I uh, you know it's going to be really hard to grade this trade until you see the next few trades uh, behind it. But it is, you know, the thing that had to happen it happened. So uh, we're here. Um, people are asking. We will not. We are again. We are still spotted uh, sponsored by Spotify Green Room. We will not be going over and doing a green room right now unless you guys really want to. Um, but uh, we've been talking for a little bit about this here. Um, so we'll probably go about our days. Um, guys, any final thoughts here? It's hard, to, it's hard a- to be like happy as a Celtics fan today because what you're doing is mis- un- it's never good when you're undoing mistakes, you know, and this is a lot of what they're doing now is undoing mistakes. You know, Kemba was a mistake. Tristan is a mistake. You know, you have to undo these things and see where you're left afterwards in order to start building. But I don't know. I'm thrilled about it. I have all the scenarios that they could have done that, John. This was the best one. There were a lot worse things that they could do. I mean, we were talking about DJ Augustine, Avery Bradley, Gary Harris, Terrence Ross. This is Al Horford. I know he's not great anymore, it's not, but, but he's it's, still you're not a really rock solid player. You're, 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 I know, you're tra- but you get trading- Brown here too. That's that's great. The, the, reality, the reality is this. You've traded for some savings and you drafted Mo Brown with the 16th pick, essentially. Yeah, you know, like, That's what you've done. That's basically what you've done. You traded some savings. I don't know that you're counting on – I don't think Al 
hurts you. I think Al could have something left in the tank. If he sticks around, great. If there's something else here, I don't know. Um, but fine. I, I I don't mind Al, but it really is you've traded you trade you gave up some decent draft capital so in 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 exchange for Mo Brown and uh you saved some money and that's and that's the deal. Um and that's okay. I'm I'm that's perfectly okay. fine with that. That's okay. Uh but, but coming off the season <laughs> that they have looking at what their options were, looking at the lack of flexibility that they had to get moves done. I, I, I'm cool with this. Dude. Let me, let me um, ask you this. If they drafted, forget, pretend we knew nothing about Mo Brown and they drafted him 16 last year and he had this good a season for them. Would you be like, that was a good pick? Yeah. If they, dra- if they, if they drafted him, if he had last year's numbers drafted in the Neesmith spot, would you be like, that was a good pick? Absolutely. Cause that Not means, would, I mean, that, that means he would have been put in work. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. You know, I Absolutely. think people look at it like this was a guy who was a scrap heap guy, two-way contract. <clears throat> who put Might a 2020 have... piece on the Celtics? I know. Um, but I do believe he, he that. Fits well, yeah, he fits well with what they want to do. He doesn't shoot, but rim running and shot blocking, it's yeah. it, it's a real bonus. I did not expect this out of this trade. I thought it was just going to be uh, equal swap salary dump and to get that much more out of that first, which you probably would have had to give up anyway to trade off that twenty million there. Uh, that's yeah. great. I, that's I, what grab, makes it a good. That's what makes it grab, a decent trade. Every trade involving Kemba. The first bad move. I do believe that people did think Bobby there was a world in which if you traded, um, look, I hate saying trash for trash, but if Kemba's unwanted and Al's unwanted, I think there are people out there who thought if you did trade these two guys uh, for one another. Um, do you have to give up assets? We did talk about selling. That second year, though, is the big difference between the two. It is. It is. And so I guess you're paying for that second year uh, cap flexibility there um, and essentially drafting Mo Brown 16. So it's pretty It's pretty good. It's a pretty decent deal. Um, Celtics got lucky, I think, because I wasn't sure the Thunder <laughs> were in the market for another pick and salary dump situation. I think the only thing that made this happen is that Oklahoma doesn't really need cap space because they're not going to get their start through free agency. No one's going to willingly sign on to Oklahoma. They're going to make a trade, and that's why they have 35 picks here that they're going to try to make it happen. Yeah. Yep. They get it. They get it. They know who they are. They know that their, their path – towards being really good is through the draft or through just ridiculous trades that teams can't turn down. And so they're giving themselves as much ammo to make that happen as possible. I and totally get it. Yep. So that's what we got. Um, we'll see what happens next. We will, uh, you know, it's uh, we'll have the flexibility obviously to, to jump on and do something like this again. Uh, we will probably do a locker room as well at some point uh, and get your thoughts, but this was a massive domino to fall. It's early in the day on Friday, who knows what else could happen today. That would be something. Everybody <laughs> keep your phones, keep your phones on. Um, you know, we, we never know what, 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 what could happen here, but big Brad moves. Last thing I'll ask you guys, you think this is all Brad? Are there people back there influencing it? Is he, I mean, is, did he, is who else has their fingerprints on this? This is, I mean, the anatomy of the deal. I am in, I am curious. Did Brad Stevens two weeks into the job, just say, I'm doing this thing. And nobody, and everyone said, okay, you're the boss. Is this a group decision? Collaborative? Is Danny involved in anything here? You know, is, or is this 100% Brad picks up the phone and says, what do you think? And then they do it. And he says, yes. You know, is this all him? We don't know. No. He hasn't operated at all. 
I'm no, sure people I, have. I, I, I'm I, sure people have input, but like, did Brad say I'm doing this? I don't give a crap what anybody says. I'm the boss now, and this is my move. I think that uh, there were quite a few people that that had a voice in the process, but I, I think when you look at just the the specifics of this deal, there's you don't feel like it's a deal per se. It feels like a transaction, and and that to me is consistent with I think the way Brad thinks. Uh, you know, like, to the point that we're bringing, like, I'll give you the 16th pick and you give me Moses Brown in return. That, I think, is something that I don't think Danny Ainge would, would be thinking about it in those terms. I think Danny would be looking at that's the 16th overall pick. I don't think I want to give that up. What if I give you a first round protected pick instead? Uh, I, I think Brad realizes what he wanted to get something of value for Kimball Walker, some flexibility money wise. And what's the easiest way to do that? What's it going to cost me? It's going to cost me a pick that we usually get wrong for a guy that I know can play. Okay, let's let's get this done. And I'm getting back a guy that I know is going to be good for my locker room, is going to give us more accountability in our locker room. And if he plays 20, 30 minutes, he's fine with that. If he goes two or three games without playing, he's fine with that too. This Yeah, this, this it, trade it has feels to... Like, yeah, or it feels this, like, go this, ahead, Bobby. This trade has the fewest amount of question marks. If they trade for Porzingis, we would have been like, can this <laughs> guy this? play? Yeah. If, if they trade for Wall, I know Jimmy loved that idea, but we still would have been asking, does this guy have anything left? Can he even get on the court? Horford, given what role he's playing and his stability over the years, and he had a few nicks and bruises here, but ultimately he's been a player who can get on the court and do what he needs to do. Uh, so that's that's a good yeah. thing. Or for the conspiracy theories, theorists out there, did Presti just make this trade to himself? <laughs> nice. No, I think I think it. we can I think we can be confident now that Brad's locked in. He can't yeah. do something like this and move on. And, and and no disrespect, but for Presti to account to get that just war chest times a thousand he does. assets why the hell would you walk away from that that's what he does man it's like i know I, well, why single, would you walk away from I, that he he's got more draft picks in like some divisions in he's the got, nba he has to patent this trade i'm yes. gonna you know i'm gonna trade something i don't want for something you don't want even more and i'm gonna take i'm gonna get picks he's done it countless freaking times here uh, the, the nba lottery is on tuesday and there's a chance that oklahoma city comes away with like the number one and the number five pick which is yeah. just crazy to think about which is but crazy very real and so and the last thing i'll say to celtics fans before we wrap here is you you entered the offseason saying uh, many of you did fire brad fire danny trade kemba Bing, bing, bing. You've got all three of these things, okay? And this, and we haven't even hit the 4th of July yet. You know, you got them all, okay? One, two, three. And what's funny is, like, most people didn't like all of them, you know? <laughs> like, they, like, oh, my God, you know? So it, it, when you do these things, you have to be prepared for the whatever. The, See the what it's actually going to look like, yeah. We, we told no, you, but... like, you, you, trade, you trade Brad, but – Who's coach? I don't know. The, Do I love it? I'm not sure. People want to fire the me. Fi- Go the ahead. final wacky. The you final can fire wacky. me by not watching, but that's fine. Um, the, the final wacky. But now people are worried. Be, uh, is Brad a qualified GM? They're worried about the return return from Kemba. Like all of these things carry risk, you know. And this is where we are right now. 
the, the final wacky step would be Wick naming Horford coach to save some more money on the edges there. <laughs> so, so Wick. <laughs> oh, Horford's Bobby, coming you in. with that, Bobby. You know you would. Horford, you love Horford's, that. Horford's not coming in as a player. He's coming in as a coach. <laughs> you want to keep another, up? Go have another press conference. Last thing you can root for as a Celtics fan right now would be for both the Brooklyn and Philly to get eliminated in the second round. Would that be freaking something? Okay. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> that would be something. So, um, so that's it. Thanks for hanging out. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channels for sure. Um, we'll definitely take this conversation to locker room at some point, uh, uh, locker room, sorry, Spotify green room. I apologize. Spotify green room, our sponsor. We're going to have this conversation there for sure. Uh, at some point or another, um beyond that follow all of us on twitter uh follow our profiles over on spotify green